0: s one e 0 Welcome Waffle. This episode is actually a prelude to the whole podcast. Rather than including extended waffly introductions on every episode, saying the same sorts of things over and over, I figured it made most sense to simply include all the generic information here one time. Coming up then, you are going to hear about how to subscribe to Enclair, who creates these episodes, what the podcast is about, age-appropriacy of the content, the types of cases that Enclair will look at, how they are researched, episode structures, intended schedule, why the name Enclair, and some final thoughts. So, how do you subscribe to the Enclair podcast? Well, one way is to open your podcast app, type in OnClaire, and with luck, we'll pop up and you can subscribe that way. Another way is that you can subscribe to the blog and get an email every time a new episode and its case notes are published. The address for that is wp.lancs.ac.uk forward slash If you're into Twitter, you can follow the podcast at underscore onclair. And if you'd really like to, you can follow me on Twitter as well, at DrClaireH. So who is responsible for OnClaire? Well, that would be me. My name is Dr Claire Hardacre, and I'm based at Lancaster University in the northwest of England, near to the coast. Just in case you really wanted to know them, I have three interesting facts about Lancaster. It is a tiny historic city with a castle in the town centre, and that castle was, until very recently, actually a prison. It is the second rainiest city in the UK. That's actually something I quite like. I think we lost out to Glasgow, but I can't remember for a definite. And it's the home of the 16th century Pendle Witch Trials. I am trying to crowbar the Pendle Witch Trials into an episode somewhere, but I need a linguistic angle and I can't yet find one. I will keep working on it. So I'm based in the Linguistics and English Language Department, and it's one of the highest ranked linguistics departments in the world. I have to get that in there. I am quite proud of that. It's a pretty awesome place to work. It's why we do things like these podcasts. In my position here, I am a Forensic Corpus Linguist. That is, a Forensic Linguist and a Corpus Linguist combined. So what does that mean? Well, rather aptly, given this podcast's focus on crime and intrigue, the word corpus comes from Latin, and from it you get words like corpse, and it roughly translates to mean body. Or in this case, a little bit more metaphorically, it means a collection of something, a body of something. So a corpus linguist is someone who looks at large linguistic data sets, usually in the millions or billions of words, but it can be smaller than that. A forensic linguist, meanwhile, obviously specialises in language, but on the other side of that, they look at crime and the law. So they might look at hate speech or plagiarism, disputed authorship, terrorist manifestos, forged suicide notes, death threats, forced confessions, contractual ambiguities. There's an endless list of things that a forensic linguist might consider as part of their work. So when you combine a corpus linguist, who looks at loads of data, and a forensic linguist, who looks at criminal or legal data, you get a forensic corpus linguist who looks at loads of criminal or legal linguistic data. So in cases that I've worked on, this could be a million tweets of online abuse. Or it could be five texts sent by a murderer from a victim's phone pretending to be the victim, and then you might compare those to thousands of texts actually written by the victim. You might be looking at a book supposedly written by a US president, but in reality, you think it's being ghostwritten by somebody else, and so you might get a collection of books by that somebody else and compare that book and see if they're similar, and so on and so forth. So what is Enclair about? Well, hopefully what I just said gives you some idea, but here's a little bit more. Enclair is an archive of forensic linguistic cases, literary detection and language mysteries. It also looks at codes, cryptography, undeciphered languages and linguistic myths and legends. So really, if there's an intrigue or a controversy and it's got language in there, whether it's from ancient history to the present day, we're interested and there might be an episode on it. What is the age-appropriacy of the content? Well, as the whole thing suggests, a lot of these episodes are going to deal with crime. Now, in some cases, that's going to be relatively anodyne. Not many people are going to be distressed by the finer details of a Hollywood plagiarism row over a screenplay based on historical data. But plenty of cases are much darker, and they will feature assault, they will feature murder, and they'll feature things that are more disturbing besides. I do describe each case with a little bit of detail, and i come back to this when I talk about the general episode structures. I'm not going to needlessly dwell on grisly detail for the sake of it, but just the themes by themselves may prove distressing for sensitive or young listeners. So really, talking to teachers now who might recommend this podcast to students, I strongly advise general discretion for the whole series. So if you are going to suggest to your students that they should listen to this, I would say carefully vet the relevant episodes beforehand, if not the entire series, if you can stand to listen to me for that long, and then judge for yourself whether you think these are age or disposition appropriate, because you will know that there is someone in your class who perhaps shouldn't be listening to these, or that maybe the entire class should just give this a miss. I'm not going to repeat this on every episode, this is sort of a one-time warning for the whole podcast. However, for podcasts where I think there is a really high risk of potential distress, I will state that at the start, and I'll try and flag up whatever theme it is that I think is going to be problematic so that people can hopefully make their own better judgement. What kinds of cases will be covered then? Well, I plan on producing episodes on everything from Ladies of the Night to Queens of England, from J.K. Rowling to Mark Zuckerberg, from secret military communications to serial killers... Hollywood plagiarists, online trolls, German ministers, US presidents, Twitter terrorists, beauty queens, interrogation strategies, ancient codes, corporate contracts, fake news, ghostwriters, heck, even zombies actually make an appearance. And there's far more besides. This list is growing ever longer by the day as I come across new cases. And you are certainly welcome to send me suggestions for more episodes. If you go onto the blog, there is a contact page and you can send me a message or you can tweet me, of course. How are the cases researched? Well, as with most research, whether it's academic or criminal, each case is painstakingly stitched together from a range of sources. So my preference where I can is that I like to look at the data, I like to wade through legal documents, even though some of them are hundreds of pages long and incredibly tedious, and I like to listen to first-hand statements, so whether that's police interviews or reading statements that have somehow appeared on the internet. Inevitably though, an awful lot of the data behind these cases is locked away on police computers or in filing cabinets in courtrooms that I will never get access to, so it does mean that I have to patch together a lot of things from media reports and other case summaries. That does then mean that sometimes there is a conflict in the narrative, and I try to highlight where this occurs to ensure that the listener has the fairest picture I can reasonably give, but obviously sometimes there are errors that creep in, and if you think that happens, you are of course welcome to send me a message. And where possible, if there is genuinely an error, I will try to make some sort of correction, whether it's in the case notes or in the podcast itself. So what's the general structure of an episode? There'll be an introduction, there'll be some history and context, and then we'll get stuck into the language part. In some podcasts, that will be quite extensive, and in others, it will be quite brief. It'll only be a small part of the overall case, but interesting nonetheless. After that, I'll wrap up with where the case is at now, and where you can find more if you want to go and read more about it. Why the name Enclair? Other than some sort of weird narcissistic ego trip, it does actually have a linguistic relevance, I promise. Enclair is actually a French phrase and it translates to in clear. People who work in cryptography may be familiar with this phrase. So it's used in secure communications where you might encrypt messages and you might say, send this message Onclair. In saying that, you mean send this message in clear or in clear text. By contrast, you could say send this message en chiffre and that would mean send this message encoded or encrypted. Last thing, except for those episodes where I indicate otherwise, Enclair is entirely researched, narrated and produced by me, Claire Hardacre. However, this work would not exist in its current form without the prior efforts of many other excellent people. You will find acknowledgements, credits, references and so on for all those people who have underpinned a given episode in the case notes for that episode. Also in the case notes, you will find data, sources, links, articles, pictures, sometimes references to older cases, suggested books if you're really interested in a topic and far more besides. And just to reiterate, the address for the blog for this podcast is wp dot l a n c s. dot a c. dot u k. forward slash on Claire, all one word. If you're into Twitter, you can follow the podcast at underscore enclair. And if you'd really like to, you can follow me on Twitter as well at Doctor Claire H.